know, between the, uh, the last sermon series that we just completed last week and the one that's upcoming in the next few weeks, I had this one Sunday uh, open. And so I was just praying about and thinking through you know, what, what I could preach on for this Sunday. And I was reminded about uh, just something I wrote down um, that I wrote down about a month ago when my papa passed away. And some of you may remember that, but um, he passed away about a month ago. And I just remember writing down something uh, the day he passed away. And it was just a thought, kind of a phrase, just to capture kind of what I was thinking and something I wanted to think even more about. But the, the phrase, the little statement I wrote down was my first night in heaven. Because it's, it's, you know, obviously when you have a loved one pass away, you start thinking about, well, what's, what are they experiencing? Where are they? What's, what's true of them? And that question has probably entered your mind <clears throat> as you've experienced loved ones uh, that have gone to be with the Lord. And, or you may even thought about that for yourself. You know, when you die and you <clears throat> go to be with the Lord, what will that be like? Um, and so I started thinking a little bit more about that. And I thought, you know, this might just be a good time to talk about that since I have this one Sunday in between uh, the sermon series. Uh, so that's what I chose to, to talk about this morning. And so... I wonder, you know, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about your first night in heaven? You know, when you die and you go to be with the Lord, what will that be like? I'm sure many questions may come into your mind. You know, what, where are they? What, what would you be experiencing in that moment? Uh, I'm sure those questions and many other ones probably have come to your mind. But I want you to think about this. You know, I think uh, having an informed view... A biblically informed view of heaven and what happens when you die uh, not only will help you at that point when that time comes, but it will also give you perspective for life now. And so I'm hoping that that's what this sermon will accomplish this morning. So let's begin by thinking about this. You know, just think about, if have you ever uh, planned a vacation? You know, I remember talking just the other day to my kids about Disney World. You know, a couple years ago we went to Disney World. So we planned a trip to Disney World in February, which is actually a great time to go to Disney World. <clears throat> and uh, there's not many people down there. So we went had a great time. But we, beforehand, we planned it out. And, uh, and, you know, once we planned the trip, then you know what we did? Well, we just lived our lives, right? You know, we kept buying groceries and paying bills and going to school and going to work and just going through the day-to-day uh, business of life, just like we were going through it. But... One difference, and that is we were looking forward to our vacation to Disney World. We had it planned. It was set, so we're excited about it. And so we were kind of looking forward to it. Um, and the reason we were looking forward to it is because I had already been to Disney World before, and so I knew that it was a fun time. And so I'm thinking this is going to be great. And, uh, and so not only did we just keep going through life and living life like you know, we feel like the Lord was wanting us to live life, but we were also looking forward to this little uh, vacation that we had planned. Uh, and we were going to enjoy that. And so uh, I was thinking about that as I was talking about, I was preparing for this talk about heaven. Uh, because my hope is, is that this sermon will give you maybe a glimpse of heaven. So that you will look forward to that. Uh, but also that it will inform your life now. As you live life, you'll begin to have more of an eternal perspective. Uh, and, and you will realize even more so that there's more to life than this life. And so hopefully that will be a benefit to you. And so let's, let's start at the beginning here and just kind of build up from there. You know, there are basically two beliefs you can believe about death. 
and life after death. You can either believe that at death, life ceases to exist. Uh, so that's one option. You can just believe that when death happens, that's it. There's no life after death. The other view you can hold is that there is life after death. And so the Christian view is that there is, in fact, life after death. And uh, the Christian view says, and the Bible teaches us, that there are basically two uh, eternal options for people. One option is for those who want to be with God and who are willing to come to God on His terms, namely through faith in Christ. And the Bible refers to this as eternal life. And the other option is for those who do, do not want to be with God and who do not want to come to God on His terms. And this is what is referred to as eternal death or eternal separation from God. Uh, so, but this morning, I'm only going to focus on the first option. Okay? I want to talk about what happens to Christians when they die. Um, and so that's going to be my focus. And I'm also only going to focus on what happens to Christians when they die prior to the second coming of Christ. Because we know at the second coming of Christ, all believers will receive resurrected and glorified bodies. And Christ will usher in a new heaven and new earth. And we will be with God forever on that new earth. New heaven and new earth. In Revelation 21 and 22. Okay, so that's after the second coming of Christ. But I want to focus on the moment we die up to the second coming of Christ. What we typically say is going to heaven. Okay, I want to focus on that. Uh, that's a whole other sermon to talk about uh, the second coming of Christ and what the new heaven and new earth looks like and all that kind of thing. And we may get to that. But this morning, I really want to just focus on, you know, if you were a believer in Jesus and you died today, what would you experience? What would it be like? And so that's going to be our focus. And so to navigate this journey, I want to consider four questions. The first question is, what happens... The moment we die. And so turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In this this passage, uh, Paul gives us a glimpse of what happens when a Christian dies. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 6 through 9. He says, so we are always a good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So, what Paul's saying is, while we are alive in our bodies, we walk by faith in Jesus. Right? Because we don't see Jesus. So therefore, we walk by faith. Because we don't see Jesus. But, when we die, our souls leave our bodies behind and enter the presence of the Lord. And he says, we no longer walk by faith, but by sight. Because... We see Jesus. So there's no, you don't need faith anymore because there He is right in front of you. Uh, so we no longer walk by faith, but we walk by sight. So Paul defines death here in this passage as that point that your soul leaves your body. So when your soul leaves your body, uh, that is death. 
So you leave your body behind and your soul goes to be with the Lord. The writer of Ecclesiastes says it this way in Ecclesiastes 12.7. He says, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So the moment when a Christian dies, he leaves his body behind and he enters the presence of Jesus. So this leads us now to the second question. Okay, that's what happens when you die. Your soul goes to be with the Lord. Your body remains here. So the second question is, well, where does it go? Where, where are you going when you die? Where does your soul go when you die? Well, our soul, which is who we are apart from our bodies, okay? Our soul goes to heaven when we die. But here's the thing about heaven. You know, we may all be very familiar with the place called heaven. But at the same time, we may not know where it is, right? So you've heard of heaven. You've, you know, even believe you're going to heaven perhaps. But you don't maybe know where heaven is. And this happens all the time for me when people tell me where they're from. So where are you from? Well, I'm from such and such town in Georgia. Maybe I've heard of that town before, but I've never been there. I don't know what it's like, but I've heard of it. You know, I've heard the name, so I'm familiar with the name of the town. But I couldn't tell you how to get there. I couldn't tell you what it's like. And that's kind of how it is for us in heaven, for many of us. We've heard about heaven. We're going there because we believe in Jesus, but we have no clue where it is. And we really don't even know what it's like. We think it's maybe just one long church service like this. Uh, but we don't really know well, where is it and what will we be doing and what will we look like. And I don't, I don't know, but I've heard of it before. It's somewhere out there. And so that's how we tend to view heaven. Um, we're familiar with the name of the location, but we don't know where it is or what it's like. So where is heaven located? Heaven is a place. And if you're taking notes, just jot down these verses. We don't have time to flip to them all because I want to read through them fairly quickly. Isaiah 66, 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said to them in Matthew 6, verse 9, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Jesus says in John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and where I am you may be also. So he's preparing a place. While on the cross, uh, recording Luke 23, 43, while Jesus was on the cross, Jesus says to the thief next to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, he's referring to a place. You're going to be with me in this place, paradise, which is another uh, term used for heaven. 1 Peter 3, 22 says, Jesus Christ, who has, gone, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. So Jesus is in heaven. Heaven is a place. And heaven is the place that Christians will go when they die. However, you're not going to find heaven on a map. Uh, you're not going to be able to go on Google Earth and track it down. You know, you're not going to be able to look through some powerful telescope and, and see it. You're not going to be able to take a spaceship and go up and take a ride at Jupiter and then run into heaven. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Uh, because even though heaven is a place, heaven is a place somewhat different than the place that we currently live. And so the, probably the best way to think of heaven is as a different dimension. 
And I know that may sound a little strange, but it's actually not, especially if you're a physicist. You know, even some physicists using string theory believes that, believe that there are multiple dimensions and even uh, multiple universes uh, as they try to think through uh, the world and how it is made up. So this concept is not foreign and it's even not really isolated to Christianity, but in fact Christianity does believe that there is a earth, obviously where we are, and there is a heaven uh, where Christ is and where those who have faith in Christ will go when they die. So what is unique about heaven, though, is that it's a place that only those that God allows may enter and see it. And so you can't just waltz into heaven. I mean, God has to allow you into heaven. He has to allow you to have access to where Christ is. And so let me just give you a few examples that I think uh, illustrate what I'm, what I'm talking about. And points to point to this idea that, that heaven is a place yet somewhat distinct from the place that we currently live. In Acts 7, 54 through 56, Stephen is being stoned for representing Jesus. And before Stephen dies, he sees something. And this is recorded in Acts 7, 54 through 56. And this is what it says. It says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, he's talking about Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know, Paul had a similar experience when he uh, encountered Jesus in Acts chapter 9 and then later. Uh, he talks also about another encounter he has with, uh, with heaven uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 2 through 4. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was called up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told which man cannot or may not utter. So clearly Paul is referring to seeing and hearing things that were happening in heaven. And then the most well-known vision of heaven is the Apostle John's vision recorded in the book of Revelation. And so when you look at all these different uh, encounters with heaven, and there's others as well that you can look to in the Scripture, but what you can gather from these recorded experiences is that heaven is a place but one that is unable to be perceived by our natural senses unless God opens a window, so to speak, and allows you to catch a glimpse. And that's what we see in those passages. So heaven is a place that is near, but at the same time is unaccessible apart from God's permission. So we see that when a Christian dies, his soul immediately goes to be with Jesus. And Jesus is in heaven which is a place only accessible by God's permission. And now the third question I want to consider is, who will be there? So when you die, you go to be with Jesus in this place called heaven, who will be there? We'll look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24. This is what it says. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to, the, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So if you just look at this passage, who will be in this, in this heavenly Jerusalem? Well, angels will be there, the righteous angels. Uh, God will be there in the person of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And it says the, spirit to, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Well, that refers to those who are in Christ. So those who are in Christ are the spirits of the righteous made perfect. In other words, Christians will be there. And not only will all these people be there, but you will be able to recognize the people that you know. So it's not like you're going to have your memory wiped when you go to heaven. I mean, you're going to go there and you're going to recognize people that you recognize today. And we see that even in one instance in Matthew 17 where Jesus reveals His glory to Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says when he's up there, Matthew records in Matthew 17, 1 through 3, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Which is interesting because you have Moses and Elijah who had been dead for a long time, uh, and yet they're there, they're talking to Jesus and Peter, James, and John are seeing this. And what you need to recognize is that Moses and Elijah, I mean, they knew who they were. I mean, they, Moses knew he was Moses. Elijah knew he was Elijah. Jesus obviously knew that he was Moses and Elijah. And somehow Peter, James, and John, uh, and then obviously Matthew, as he records this, they know that this is Moses and Elijah, and they're having a conversation there. Uh, and so I think in heaven... You know, you will be conscious and you will have your memory. And I believe that you'll know who you are and you will know who your friends are and your family are that maybe had gone to heaven before you. And this truth is really what enabled Paul to comfort the Thessalonian Christians who had lost loved ones who were in Christ. I mean, they were troubled about those who had uh, passed away in the faith. And so Paul writes 1 Thessalonians 4 and he tells them, you know, you, you, I know you're grieving, but don't grieve like you have no hope. And he's basically telling them that you will be reunited with those who have fallen asleep. You will know them. You'll be with them. Which I believe points to the fact that even when you experience death and you move on to heaven and you, you're with Christ, you will be conscious, you'll have your memory, you'll understand who you are and who your friends and family are. And obviously you'll uh, build some new relationships as well. So the comfort that Paul gives to the Thessalonians comes from knowing that they will be reunited with those they know. And so who will be in heaven? Well, we know God will be there, angels, and Christians. And so I want to to talk about one more question uh, that I want to try to answer. And it's one that I often think about. And the question is, well, what will we be doing? You ever wondered that? Like, okay. You see, you know, see all these crazy cartoons and things about heaven. You see people like floating on clouds, playing harps. 
And you're thinking, that just doesn't sound very appealing to me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, I'm just, that, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, so what will we be doing? I mean, what's going on in heaven? Uh, and remember, I'm talking about the point you die to when Christ comes back. Now, when Christ comes back and renews the earth and there's a new heaven, new earth, I mean, things are going to be a little different. You're going to have a resurrected body, and so we can go more into that later. But right now I'm talking about if you were to die today in faith, in Christ, where will you be going? What will you be doing? Uh, you will be going to be with Christ in heaven. People that have gone before you will be there as well. And now I want to consider what will you be doing until Jesus returns to make all things new. Well, I can say with confidence, and if you read through the New Testament, you know this to be true. We know that we will be worshiping. Okay, We know that. In uh, all that we do, obviously, our relationship with God is going to be primary, right? Everything else will be kind of uh, will be filtered through that. I mean, that'll be the primary thing that we'll be doing is worshiping. Uh, and obviously, we know we worship in a variety of ways. Uh, when we think of worship, you tend to think of singing, which is one way you worship. And surely there will be singing. If you read through the book of Revelation, for example, there are several instances where people cry out in song and worship. And so that will be happening for sure in heaven. And that will be one form of our worship. But I think another thing that we'll be doing is we will be having conversation and we'll even be asking questions of the Lord Himself. You know, in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, and you can just jot this down, uh, but Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, you have Christians that are in heaven who have been killed because of their faith in Christ. And they're talking to Jesus about when the end will come. So they're asking Jesus, you know, when were you going to you know, bring justice to those who have killed us for our faith? When are you going to bring about the end? And Jesus responds and He tells them, you all need to wait a little longer until more people come into heaven. And so they're having the conversation. They're asking questions to Jesus. You know, when is this going to happen? Jesus tells them. And I think that's what's going to be happening in heaven. We're going to be having conversations with Jesus. We're going to be asking questions. But we're also going to, I think, be having conversations with each other. Uh, obviously catching up, getting to know each other, um, and doing things like that. Now, um, as I'm thinking about heaven, though, I'm thinking, okay, conversations. Uh, surely you can spend a lot of time talking, okay? Especially some of you extroverted people. You can think, oh yeah, this would be great. We just talk all the time. Conversations all the time. But some of you introverted people are thinking, I just don't see me spending thousands of years talking. That just freaks me out. So I don't know how that's going to all play out. So I'm thinking, uh, maybe, maybe our time will be filled full of conversation. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, I know there will be conversation for sure between us and the Lord, but also with each other. Uh, that will happen. But I'm, I'm wondering, maybe there's other things that we'll be doing. And let me just say this. At this point, this is a bit of speculation. Okay? So this is, I'm speculating here. So I can't point to a specific scripture passage. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay? But I'm just kind of speculating, thinking about, okay, I'm thinking, for example, I'm thinking about uh, Solomon or Abraham. All right, they've been in heaven for thousands of years. Uh, what have they been doing for all that time? I mean, talking, maybe, but maybe there's other things they've been doing. I don't know. Uh, so I'm just kind of speculating here. And there's two, I guess, uh, parts of my speculation. The first is what we will be doing with our time. 
and I think another activity that we may be involved in is perhaps we will be helping Jesus prepare this new Jerusalem. Uh, you know, Jesus said in John 14, He's going to prepare a place. And then in Revelation 21 22, we read about this new Jerusalem, which is a pretty massive city that's going to be coming down from heaven. For example, uh, Revelation 21, 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is when Christ comes back. He brings, he's going to bring this about, this new heaven, new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. Now when you read about this new Jerusalem, it's going to be the capital of the new earth. And when you hear descriptions of, the, of heaven, like some of you, when you think about heaven, you think of the pearly gates, streets of gold, things like that. Well, that's the new Jerusalem, which is obviously present in heaven. And then you see in this passage, it's going to come down to earth. And there's a lot to be said about that. Just for the sake of time, I, don't, I can't go into all the details. But when you read about you know, the, the pearly gates and the streets of gold and, and all these dimensions and what it's like, you're reading about the new Jerusalem that will be coming down from heaven. But the, I guess my point is, you know, I don't know if you know, God just spoke this into existence or there was actually some craftsmanship that went into it and that we helped maybe build this city that is going to come down from heaven to the earth. That's speculation. I don't know. Perhaps that is what we'll be doing. But I know we're made to work. And I know we're made to be creative. And I know that's what we'll be doing on the new earth. So perhaps we'll be doing that as well there in whatever form that we possess in heaven. So that's one form of speculation. Another form of speculation I have to uh, admit is this how our relationship with time. Like I said, you have Abraham in heaven for thousands of years. What's he doing? Um, is he just kind of waiting by, you know, until everything unfolds? Or how's that working? And that may be exactly what he's doing. Just waiting, talking to the Lord, talking to others, um, living life. But um, it, it does seem from the passage that we will experience time if we define time as a succession of moments. I think we will experience time. You see that in the, even that Revelation 6 passage where you know, those who have been killed for their faith talk to the Lord and say, well, how long? I mean, it seems like they're aware of time. Time has passed. They're in heaven. They're waiting for when Christ returns and brings about the judgment in this new heaven, new earth. So they're aware of time that you know, certain things have happened, certain things haven't. And so they have a conversation with Jesus. Jesus responds. And so there, there seems to be time in heaven but I wonder if we'll experience time just differently than we do now. And the reason I say that is, you know, both the psalmist and Peter tell us that for God, you know, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And I just wonder, you know, since we're in heaven, which is you know, God's chosen dwelling place for his special presence, perhaps when we are there, we'll experience time a bit differently as well. And so perhaps the time between the moment you die and go to be with the Lord and the second coming of Christ, maybe that actually seems to go by a lot quicker uh, when you're in heaven than when you're here. Like I said, just speculation as I've been thinking through the details of uh, what it might be like. Um, but I, I can say this, though. I think regardless of what we will be doing or how long we will be doing it in heaven, uh, waiting for Christ to bring about the new heaven and new earth, 
uh, I think we can be confident that we will not be bored. You know, I'm pretty sure God uh, can give us enough to think through or do and experience to keep us, uh, you know, motivated and moving forward with Him, uh, even while we're waiting on Christ to return. So I'm confident that life will be full, and uh, we can be assured that all the things that we enjoy here on earth are but a shadow of the things that we'll enjoy in the presence of God. And so the fact that we enjoy things here on earth in our lives, even here to some degree, uh, I think shows us that in fact we'll enjoy life when we are with the Lord. So, with all that said, what will, what will your first night in heaven look like? I think your first night in heaven will be filled with love, laughter, conversation, exploration, creativity, and worship. You'll be free from sickness, death, and disease, and most importantly, you'll be free from sin and its effects. You'll be reunited with those who have gone before you, who have died in faith, and you will be righteous, and you will no longer walk by faith, but by sight. And this is what your first night in heaven would look like if you are in Christ. And so the main thing you need to decide today is whether or not you want to go to heaven. You know, some people don't want to go there. And that's their choice. And so you need to make that choice. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go and be with the Lord or not? Uh, you can actually make that decision. Um, do you want to be with Jesus? Do you want eternal life? And I want you to just listen as we close. I want you to listen to a verse of Scripture that many of you can recite in your sleep. But I want you to listen to it. I want you to hear God's invitation. I want you to listen to God's conditions, His terms. And I want you to listen to God's promise. For God so loved the world... That He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So do you believe in Jesus? Have you made that decision to turn from building your life on whatever you're building your life on to building your life upon Christ? Have you made that decision? And if you haven't made that decision, I encourage you to pray right now. And admit that you are a sinner, that you have lived life apart from God, and acknowledge to God that you need His forgiveness, and recognize that the only way for you to receive forgiveness and eternal life is through Jesus. Because what we see in the Scripture is that you must have faith in Jesus if you want to go to heaven. Now, for those of you who follow Jesus, I hope this sermon maybe just gave you a little better idea of where you're going. And maybe it will give you some perspective even about how to even live life today. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for what you do tell us about not only this life, but the life to come. And most importantly, Lord, thank you that you don't leave us hopeless, but you tell us that you have sent your son, you've sent Jesus to live and die on the cross and be buried and raised from the dead so that we have hope in this life because we recognize that this life is not all there is. 
but there's more to life than this life. Lord, give us that eternal perspective. Help it to inform how we spend our days. And Lord, help us to also look forward to that day that we are with you, whenever that day may come. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. And I pray for anybody here who is uh, just wrestling with you or maybe doesn't know you, God. Would you draw them to yourself? Will you uh, just convince them of their, of their need for you? And help them to see that it's only through Christ that we can enter heaven and be with you forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.